0: you're listening to the growing up rock podcast with your host steven michael and sunny hollywood pooney
1: Hollywood, you ready to go inside out, upside down, spin me round
2: and round? <laughs> nice. Some of that, some of that was XYZ, some of that was Diana Ross, I think, and then some of that isn't Diana Ross upside down. Is that I don't that know. Is? Chaka Khan. And then some and then some of it was what, dead or alive? <laughs> you spin me round. You went all yeah, over
1: the place. I'm all there. over the place. But what we're really talking about here today is
2: XYZ. Yeah, I love this band. Uh, so happy to see them on the ship. Uh, they were awesome. I uh, Both times, I thought they were awesome at the pre-party and on the ship. And actually, they probably sounded better on the ship, on the pool stage. I've had the you know, opportunity to see Terry with Great White. I've seen Terry with this band called The Vagabonds, which was awesome. But I had never seen XYZ, so the ship was the first time I've ever yeah. seen them.
1: And, uh, you know, we give our full recap of the ship stuff and all the finale and all that other stuff, but here we're going to just talk about the overview of XYZ. A lot of people don't know that they think this band is American, but truthfully the band uh, originated in France, right? They moved, uh, moved to the U S from France and, uh, took up residency in Hollywood uh, in the late eighties,
2: right yeah, they came to uh America in eighty six and uh they were playing you know just gigs and clubs and stuff, and had a demo they were shopping around and getting turned down and et cetera and uh After about two years of gigging uh they run into the mighty Don Dokken, who is uh you know in the middle of back for the attack tour, and the guys you know they 're hot as can be right now. And, uh, they kind of take, he kind of helps them out with some of the producing. They already had a record deal and all that, but Don was kind of helping them with the producing, et cetera. And, uh, they released that first album, which was awesome. But for a while they were like the unofficial band of the whiskey a go-go, like the house band, which there's not very many people that can say that.
1: No. And in fact, you know, we're fortunate enough in this episode uh, we'll hear from Terry and Pat a little bit later on in this episode, and they talk a little bit about that. Uh, the three house bands, the three unofficial house bands over history at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go was XYZ, Motley Crew and The Doors. Those were the three unofficial house bands at the Whiskey over its history. So that's pretty cool
2: company, right? Yeah, that's really cool. And that's three significantly different yeah. bands because XYZ sounds nothing like Motley and of course neither one sound like the door. Right. So uh that's some good company. Yeah, though.
1: absolutely. But we thought before we get into this interview, it might be fun for Sonny and I just to kinda cover three of our favorite XYZ tunes. Uh they've got three really great records three vastly different records, in my opinion. But each record offers uh, some really great material. And I don't know about Sonny, but when I was putting my top three together, I tried to choose something off of each record, just to kind of cover the entire career of XYZ. Yeah,
2: I did the same thing. Otherwise, I would have ended up picking all three, probably off of Hungry, which is the second record. So I did the same thing. I picked Uh, one of my favorites today, how we always say, my favorites today, they change. And we've played a little bit of XYZ before, so I didn't want to repeat that. So yeah, I picked one off each album.
1: Yeah, Agreed. So uh, let's take this little short intermission here, and we'll come back with our top three.
0: Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like, and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock.
1: All right. So just like the lovely and talented Samantha said, go subscribe to our podcast. Help us out. Share Pod Chaser. Tell us what you think. Give us the skinny. Go to our Facebook page. Interact with us. Do all those cool things that we love to do
2: each and every day. What do you say there, Hollywood? Yeah, that's the easiest way. Because uh, what happens, like I've been, you know, I travel a lot, right? So I won't always look to see who's got a new podcast episode out, and I listen to a bunch of podcasts, so I just subscribe, so it just downloads to my phone, I don't have to worry about trying to chase down when Cobras and Fire released an episode. It just downloads, and when I'm ready to listen, I listen. There you go. All right, so let's get into this top three. Uh, You want to kick us off here? What do we got? Yeah, so my first pick is off the first album, Uh, XYZ at a self-titled album released in 1989. At this point, you got Terry Alou singing Pat Fontaine playing bass. That's been a constant throughout XYZ's career. And Mark Diglio and Paul Monroe, Paul Monroe playing drums, Mark playing guitars. This song, they did it live on the ship, and it came off incredible live. Check this out. It's called Nice Day to Die.
1: That's a great tune off that first record. Uh, I definitely dig that song. Great riff, uh, really dig it. I'm going to start us off with their last record, and when I say last record, I'm talking about 2003's "Letter to God." Uh, so this record to me was vastly different than the first two records. This record was a little bit heavier in terms of I think probably they did a little bit more detuning and it was probably a sign of the time for music at that point in time in 2003. It still had a lot of XYZ qualities. It was just
2: different than those first two records. Would you agree? Yeah, it's got a Zeppelin flavor to it too because I think the the dark Uh, you know, whether it's detuning, whatever, I'm not a musician, but whatever made it kind of darker and deeper threw in like a Zeppelin vibe too, a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I never thought about it before, but yeah, I guess I can see where you're coming from with that. But, uh, anyway, I picked the song that kicks off this record track. Number one, here's what's on your mind.
2: Yeah, that's a great melodic song, because not every song on that album is super melodic and catchy, and that's pretty melodic. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so for my second one, we're going to go to my favorite XYZ album, which is the second one called Hungry. So it got released in 1991, and you know we say it all the time, and I know there's other podcasters that say it too, that there's some of this stuff that if this album gets released in 86, huge hit. I mean, it had everything that you would want. Check this uh, song out. It's very, very Van Halen. I can I can just hear Sammy and Eddie doing this together on stage. A great song called "Don't Say No."
1: that's a great song, but I have to do a little bit of correcting with you, which is you talked about the Van Halen influence and a little bit later on in this interview, you'll hear Pat talk about it quite a bit. Pat and Terry both talk about Van Halen influence as well, but you talked about Van Hagar, not Van Halen. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine David singing that song. Well, so that's a Sammy song. I just song. wanted to make sure that you understood that that's not Van Halen whatever I'm, dude i'm, I'm just go saying there. i need to i, I need to there. correct you i need to correct you once in a while I'll hold you true <laughs> and are we calling the
2: third van halen van Sharon, or what are we doing there <laughs> we're not even acknowledging that thing <laughs> that's not fair i like uh, that album
1: yeah. we're sorry <laughs> van Halen the van halen nation apologizes to you all right so listen
0: Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it.
1: There you go. Everybody has a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go tell us your story on our website at growinguprock.com, G R O W I N U P R O C K dot com. And that brings us to the first album for me. And I'm going back to the first album and I'm going to play this nice riffy tune.
2: Solo in that song is crazy. Love
1: that song. That is Take What You Can from the first XYZ record, man. And I just love the guitar tone and love the way that song sounds. I
2: dig that tune. Yeah, it's a great song. And that came off Great Live. I thought they did a great job of that. Absolutely. All right. So my last of the three is from 2003's Letter to God. So I'm going to pick the title track and you know, you'll you'll kind of see what I'm talking about, about this Zeppelin vibe. There's like a Middle Eastern little sound to it a little bit. And this is the first album with their current guitarist, Tony Marcus, who's been in the band since 2003. And I will tell you that he floored me live. I thought Tony Marcus was incredible, and I didn't really know him that well, but uh, live, oh my God, that guy's just a beast. So uh, check out the song, Letter to God.
1: I'm going to second your um, review of Tony Marcus. I mean, he really is a little bit of a gem of a guitar player because he shredded live. He was really, really good. Uh, I was impressed because, like you said, I didn't know a whole lot about the guy before seeing him at the pre-party and then on the ship. So excellent, excellent player. Excellent choice. Letter to God. And that brings me to my final pick which is off of probably, you know, I go back and forth with Hungry and the first XYZ being my favorite record. I love both of those records, but Hungry really is just a hidden gem of a record. And I'm going to go way deep down in the track count for this one. This is towards the end of the record, and I am going to play a very heavily, Van Halen-influenced song. This is called Roll of the Dice.
2: Yeah, that's a super catchy Van Hagar song, too. It's awesome.
1: Oh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Pat and Terry will be uh, letting you know what's, what's Van Halen and what's Van
2: Hagar because I'm pretty sure they know the difference. <laughs> nice. But yeah, XYZ, I mean, they're, you know, they're, okay, it's three albums, uh, two from kind of the old days, one, you know, about 15 years old. It's just not a lot of people know about them, and they just kind of came to the party a little bit too late. And, but it's good stuff, and uh, if you haven't heard it, you got to give it a chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely, go seek them out. I would, I would highly recommend those first two records for anybody that was into uh, '80s and early '90s hard rock and metal. They're just melodic hard rock records. Some really good guitar playing on both the records, uh, on all three. But the first two, like I said, the first two are definitely my favorites. And I hope now that these guys are back together that maybe we get a new record from them.
2: We'll see. Yeah, and if you if you have a chance to check them out live, they don't disappoint. And uh, I will tell you, you know, I love Terry's voice. I always have. Tony Marcus alone is worth the price of admission. And I can tell you, it'd probably be a pretty cheap ticket because they're going to be playing a club. I would give them a chance if they're if they're coming to your town.
1: Yeah, and you guys will see. We're talking about them playing the Rocklanta Festival at the end of uh, this month. Uh, they'll talk a little bit about that. There's some good pieces of information in this interview. Interview roughly about 33, 34 minutes long. We have a little bit of fun. We have some. Uh, Good discussion with these guys. And uh, this is essentially a four-way phone call going on. So the audio at all times isn't 100% perfect. So just bear with it. It's very listenable. But understand that there are a few audio issues here and there with this four-way phone call. But I think it's time to get into this interview. What do you say there, Hollywood? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Here's Pat and Terry from XYZ enjoy
3: hi this is terry luce of the band xyz and this is pat fontaine from xyz as well you are hanging out with hollywood and steven on the growing up rock podcast now crank that shit up
2: So with us, we have Terry Alou and Pat Fontaine from the band XYZ, and we're going to jump right in. So Terry, I had the wonderful opportunity about six months ago to check out your show, with The Vagabonds, and you doing the album Gypsy Dreams, and I love the flamenco guitar and and hearing songs like Kill the King with that new flavor. I love that kind of stuff. Now that XYZ is in full attack mode, will you be able to continue to do both?
4: Yes, I'll be able to do both anyway. I mean, I I definitely want to continue doing XYZ and the vagabonds at the same time. I was not allowed to do all that for a while. Uh, But now that I can, then I will be uh, happy to do both. I mean, my band XYZ has no issues uh, for me to do uh, the vagabonds and XYZ or whatever project I can be involved with. I've been the singer of XYZ for for 30-something years and I intend fully to... To assume that position and stay there, the lead singer of XYZ.
2: That's great. Now, what new music are you guys listening to? Like, is there bands out there that is like, wow, like some of this new music is really catching you, or is it really you stick to the classics? Hmm. What do you listen to, Pat?
4: Well, i tell you, I listen to the radio,
3: I guess. And the radio is a different animal nowadays. Well, what is going to be interesting, like this merging of, of dance music and super heavy uh, metal kind of thing uh, if you listen to music nowadays on the radio you the bass drum and, and the snare are are, are are like almost like on the go dance beat the distorted guitars are a little bit more of an app uh but it's some of this stuff is kind of interesting i, I can't think of anything i want to i want to mention but the biggest i think the biggest challenge that music today is uh, is the absence of record companies so so is kind of just faced with the typical uh, Spotify, iTunes, tube kind of thing. And there's so many, so many artists in there that it's difficult to find the one that, if you will, surfaces or, or reaches up. Uh, so it's that's the challenge. But there's still a lot of great creativity out there, you know, and uh, years come and years go. And there's all kinds of creative people doing what they love to do, and uh, you just
4: got uh, you just got to pay attention and, and find out who they are.
2: And what are the classics that you normally listen to?
4: Well, personally, uh, I've always been a big fan of uh, uh, you know early, early Rod Stewart, uh, Bad Company, uh, Steve Marriott, uh, people like that. Uh, People have a little bit, more, uh, how can I say, soul in their voice. And that being, you know, I don't know if soul is the right word, but uh blues, I would say. Maybe blues is the right word. More blues in the in the in the tone, like Steve Marriott and or, and Paul Rogers, one of my all-time favorite rock singers. So uh, so is uh, early David Coverdale as well. Uh, I like, so I go back and listen to that. I have pretty much everybody's collection on my uh, iPod. That's about it. I also listen to a lot of old R and Wonder. I read it all. Glen News. I love Glen News, early Glen News trippy. Uh, you know, I listen to everybody everyone, basically. I like Joe Banamasa. I like uh, I don't know, there's so many talented people in this world that it's hard not to uh, as Pat said it, you know, unfortunately the, the with the absence of record companies, it's really hard to uh, to do something new these days.
1: Yeah. How about you, Pat? What are you, uh, what are you jamming?
4: Well, I'll tell
3: you, I kind of go back to what, uh, what I listened to when I was a, a teenager, you know, and I guess we all do that. We go back to our youth a little bit with music. In fact, that's the beauty of music. I think that, that it is able to bring you back to your youth. And to me, it was all about Van Helen. Uh, to this day, I think, uh, Eddie Van Helen is really hard to beat. Uh, they, it, it was a, a great band. They had a huge influence on my life. Uh, it, it is uh, that uh, uh, that first record that, that starts with uh, Running With The Devil. When, when I heard that simple bass line, uh, that just four notes, you know, uh, same notes, bang, bang, bang. Bang, k- 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 it, it's just like, oh, my God, it, 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 that's what I want to do. So I often listen to that very track, Running with the Devil. I just don't think it gets more rock and roll than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely well said. Did you guys ever have the opportunity to run into anybody in Van Halen while you were out there on the Sunset Strip and playing the whiskey?
4: I met David L- Roth a few times. Uh, I did, <laughs> actually, and Michael Anthony as well both extremely talented and, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of David Liorotti's. He he was the ultimate rock singer. He looked amazing and he had an amazing stage presence. And then we all tried to imitate, of course, and, uh, we got inspired by him. He, he was definitely, uh, the iconic rock singer. That's for sure. You know?
1: Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Uh, Terry early on in your youth, uh, do you recall, like, a record that really sort of changed your life early on?
4: <laughs> you really want to know, my friend? Are <laughs> you going to be surprised?
1: <laughs> That's okay. Hit me with it.
4: <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the truth. I never wanted to be a rock singer, and Pat knows that for sure. It's not like I never wanted to be a rock singer. I wanted to be a singer for sure. Becoming a rock singer was not in my agenda. Uh, Pat somehow uh, tricked me, and I became a rock singer. And he (laughs) knows that. The very first album that really inspired me was by a guy named Tom Jones. Okay. Tom Jones, uh, the Tom Jones. So I saw Tom Jones on TV when I was a kid, and I was like, "Oh my God, I want to be like him!" You know, he's such a good performer, singer, and and then I I saw all these girls uh, throwing at him like underwear Mm -hmm. and everything, and I was like. (laughs) Oh my God, I want to be like him even more now. So, uh, yeah, so I became a singer because of Tom Jones and the underwear, that's for sure. You know, I'm still getting underwear that's just a little bit wider these days, that's all. <laughs> well, there you go. Fantastic. Panties and pop music.
3: You can't beat it.
2: <laughs> now, now, Pat, what made you pick up the bass? Because uh, I don't know how many women are throwing underwear at the bass player.
3: Yeah, you are the. My my mission is in life is to change that.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> no underwear yeah. tour. We should have a title like that. The No Underwear Tour 2020. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it sounds like we've got a new tour name.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's, we, that's so funny. Yeah, I yeah. guess we, we embrace. I guess you know the 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 music is thing, but it does come with a lifestyle, I guess. And I guess when you're a young kid, you, you, of course, embrace the musicality of it all, but you also embrace the lifestyle. And that comes with a lot of parties, you know, the girls, the booze, the drugs, all that. That's part of this thing that that really drives you. I was always uh, 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 very curious about this rock and roll band that played across the street from me because I noticed that when it took breaks to come out and smoke a few cigarettes, they were always surrounded by pretty girls, and I thought, man, that is kind of a good way to spend your life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think I think all of us can say, uh, generally, yes. We all agree with you, even those of us that aren't in the rock and roll business, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I'm in retail. People are throwing their underwear at me all the time. I'm in, I'm good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do That's you work for? for. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: <laughs> I work for a department store.
3: <laughs> what is yours right. if you're in underwear and lend your red extra? It's
4: what we get. <laughs> you don't That's need to critical. pick up. But, <laughs> you have your own rock band right there. <laughs> yeah. So
3: that is great. I,
1: I have to imagine that being the house band at the Whiskey A Go-Go, you guys had to have some stories uh because i know there were bands that lived right behind the whiskey i mean it's it's very well publicized that bands like guns and roses and motley Crue lived right up the street and uh there were constant parties right. going on and i know that at some point you guys had to take part in all that craziness going on around the sunset strip
4: true yeah, through, we, uh, uh, we had some yeah with some parties. I don't know. I don't think it's really appropriate to uh, to mention uh, the details, that's for sure. But uh, uh, we uh, we had some interesting parties, right, Pat? Oh my God, it was
3: crazy. We lived uh, we lived uh, we all lived together in a in a two bedroom apartment on Fountain Avenue, uh, which is really a block away from uh, Sunset, right next to the Guitar Center. Yeah. So uh, very very close by, we could walk to the whiskey rainbow. So often enough, uh, at the end of the night, uh, about two a.m., uh, everybody would just trek on back to our pad, and uh, right. uh, it, yeah, the night the night would go on for for quite a bit. And it was uh, I guess uh, it was the the way it was back then. It was not that surprising to anybody that uh, we all go back to the apartment and we all. Uh, dance and drink and yell and and play music all night and the neighbors were cool with that because it was part of the culture. It was the eighties and it, this this was a big party time. Sure, you know,
4: it, the old the old city was jumping. In fact, we used to invite. In fact, remember we used to invite the neighbors. Remember that the guy the guy at the end of the yeah, home, That's right. Uh, the guy used to. The guy was a the musician, were, His mom. He, the neighbor was a Vietnam vet. They were delighted to to come to the parties because. We had a lot of, uh, let's just say, uh, uh, you know, mostly uh, ladies would come to the party. It was pretty, pretty wild. So um, (laughs) my neighbors were ecstatic. They're like, oh my God, of course I want to come to your party. So yeah, Yeah. uh, it was quite, it was a lot of fun actually.
1: What's not to love? Women, drugs, and uh, rock and roll back in the uh, 80s.
4: Well, I was never into drugs. That's one thing uh, about me. I was never into that stuff. And that comes from the fact that I've always been uh, I've always worked out quite heavily uh, doing what I love to do which is martial arts I've been a martial artist ever since I, I remember Oh, wow so uh and that's a different that's a different lifestyle so once you touch once you get into that zone the martial arts you can't do drugs so I was never into drugs and I'm so glad but uh yeah I mean partying yes but no drugs that's for sure that's good Not for me actually and I'm'm I'm glad about it I'm very proud of it you
2: know, now, Terry, how did uh, the relationship with Don Dawkins start? I mean not eighty seven, eighty eight, they are. They've had some huge hits at that time.
4: yeah, well, I mean, uh, we, I think we were,
2: for,
4: uh, we were very much uh, Dokken was a great band. It's uh, still a great band. by the way. Um, John Levin is a wonderful guitar player. Don Dawkin uh, wrote some amazing songs, uh, great singer at the time. And we uh, met him uh, through our record label. We already had a record deal offered. we already had a record deal so we met him through the label as we were uh, searching for a producer and uh, he came along and uh, we we worked together for I think a couple of months on the album and um, you know uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience. We learned a few things and uh, then we moved on. Yeah. So many things we can talk about Don. I'm sure Pat has something to say about Don trying to be diplomat right here. So uh, to make these things very clear, because I like to be very clear, Don never got us the record deal. We worked with him for a couple of months and um, at the end of the, 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 that album, uh, we went separate ways and uh, that was it. No no hard feelings, nothing. thing. He's very, uh very talented uh, guy and uh, we moved on. He moved on as well.
2: Now... The first major U.S. tour you guys were on, was that with Alice Cooper? That's a pretty nice tour to be on for the first time.
4: The the very first tour was Ted Ted Nugent. Nugent, yeah.
2: Oh, it was? Okay.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Ted Nugent. We titled Ted Ted Nugent for a while, Alice Cooper, uh, pretty much everybody who would hire us. And then we we did a really long club tour because we realized there was a lot of money in the clubs as well. And so um, we did a... I think we were on the road for about two years, doing all the clubs and hitting all the uh, radio stations in the morning at 6 a.m. Doing the wow. doing the, the, the morning uh, shows, you know, going there, singing, uh, playing guitar, whatever, you know, doing the 6 a.m. Uh, morning drive. And then uh, going back to sleep and sound check and then uh, the show. And then the next day we drive to the next city and, uh, and do the same thing. We pretty much did that for about two years.
2: Did MTV help you a lot? I mean, you, you had a couple of videos that seemed to do well. Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. MTV was, was, was a big player back in the day. You, you had to have it. In fact, from the moment, uh, from the very moment MTV plays your video, then, then you, you get recognized on the street. This is the day where you like be complete strangers come to you and say, I saw your video. MTV was a big, big deal. Not anymore. Of course. Cause the I don't think MTV even plays musical videos, but nope. it was it was a big part of it. You had to have it. Uh, we had a, three, four different videos, uh, uh, and it was like a, a, a great help. A Headbangers Ball, of course, uh, was a was a massive influence on the culture at the time. Uh, uh, thank you to MTV, by the way, uh, to, uh, for the support they showed back in the day. Now nah, they don't support anything anymore, but back in the day, they were a great support. Of the scene. Yeah. yeah, In
4: fact, I think we had a number one video on MTV
3: as well. Inside Out was number one. Yeah, yeah. Inside Out yeah. was number one. And of course, uh, we had the great, great Michael Bay uh, directing uh, uh, our second video, which was uh, on the Hungry Record, Face Down in the Gutter. Uh, I think it's actually the last video that Michael Bay did before he went to, uh, to the big time, The Rock and the Transformers and Pearl Harbor and all that good stuff.
1: What was that like working with him?
3: fantastic the guy is 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 so hands on and so knowledgeable that every table every camera every crew every staff he knows exactly what everybody needs to be doing from the housekeeping to the janitor to the camera guy to the to to the light guy to the sand guy the guy was all over the place
4: extremely talented guy
1: wow oh yeah.
4: That's what he became. So I mean, you know, Michael Bay is one of the biggest right now, and there's a reason okay. for that. He's just he was phenomenal, you know, but Plus phenomenal.
1: Plus, it seems like he really likes blowing a lot of shit up, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, he did. He did. And by blow, I don't know what you mean by blow, but yeah, there was blow involved.
1: <laughs> no, my blow was a little bit different than probably what yeah. you're talking about.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, my, Michael is a great guy, obviously. He's on top of the world right now. I think he works for Steven Spielberg and Michael Bay of a partnership. And it just doesn't get any better than that. Of course, at the time, his, his name was not as famous as, as it is today. Sure. But man, what an experience. Uh, what a gorgeous video, too. Uh, uh, it was really, it was it was like a dream come true, you know. And we were like looking at each other saying, oh, my God, this is crazy. You know?
2: Now, I know Terry's on social media a lot, does a lot of Facebook Live, etc. Do you guys have plans to have social media really back you up while you're getting back together and getting out there and touring?
4: Terry? Well, absolutely. I'm a big uh, social media person. I uh,
2: mm-hmm. always,
4: uh, once in a while, I go on Facebook. And actually, very often, once or twice a week, I would do a little uh, Facebook Live with the fans, for the fans. I uh, answer questions, I uh, q and all the time. I, I do the same uh, on Instagram, Twitter, post about the thing on Twitter. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of, um, of the social media. Pat uh, is a bit more private, and I definitely respect that. But uh, what I show basically online to the fans is just uh, it has its limitations, being basically uh, business and music-related. I don't go on that. Yeah, and... Uh, it's fine, you know, uh, nowadays, you know, you really have to be present on the social media because uh, on the social media platform, because you don't really have anymore um, the MTV, the the metal-based magazines, all those great things, Hit Get Magazine, you don't have that anymore. So uh, social media has replaced that, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. So you really have to be present in order to, uh, to uh, for the science to uh to 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 contact you, you, know, and to know about you, you know, that's the way for them to you, to know uh, what you're up to. So I don't mind uh, being on uh, on Facebook and uh, Instagram at all.
2: Awesome. Now you guys talked about new music. Is it worth going yeah. back and re-releasing or remastering the first record and the second record, putting it together through either Rat Pack Records or Frontiers or somebody? Or is that is that not really worth it?
3: It'd be completely worth it. The problem is, of course, uh, the legal uh, uh, contracts we have with capital, you know, and uh, those get complicated. Uh, As you know, back in the day, when you got to a record deal, we got signed to a record deal. The recording didn't belong to the band. It never did. And so we don't own uh, those recordings. Capital, EMI, does. So it's up to them. Uh, We'd love to do it. We've done it a few times through EMI Europe, the first record and second record were re-released and remastered. Very difficult to find in the USA, but uh, they're all over Europe, and uh, you can find them. Uh, They they get more expensive now on eBay because the the stock is dwindling down, I guess. Uh, As far as re-recording stuff and new stuff, we could very well do that. In fact, we're we're possibly thinking about recording or re-recording a song from the past. But you know, as musicians, we're also, very excited about new material, and so it's always a bit of a a battle between the the old and the new, if you will.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so uh, we sometimes do lightning rounds with the folks that we interview at the end of the interview. Just simple little questions, kind of first things that pop in your head. Uh, Do you guys mind doing that with us?
4: Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: So, Terry, a song you wish you wrote.
4: Um, I'm Still In Love With You by Sin Lazy.
2: Oh, wow. Pat, how about a non-rock or metal guilty pleasure? Like, what pop music really, like, uh, gets you happy?
3: I love Celine Dion. (laughs) Oh, really?
2: (laughs) 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 That's all. Celine Dion and Tom Jones. Wow.
4: Yeah. What a a good band,
2: huh? (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Uh, Terry, what was the first concert you saw?
4: First concert I saw was uh, James Brown.
2: Oh, wow. In France?
4: Yep. He came to my town. I went to see James Brown. And I was a kid. uh, uh, And he blew me away. He was an incredible performer. Incredible performer. He was a showman. And his voice was just phenomenal. So, yes, I was extremely impressed by James Brown. Wow. In fact, fact, I met him years, years after that, I met him. And it was a pleasure to, to talk to him. I was uh, lucky enough to, to meet uh, James Brown, Mr. James
2: Brown. Wow. Pat, how about a song off the first or second album that you wish would have been a single, but uh, you got outvoted?
3: Uh, I got outvoted by the record folks, and that, that song would be Souvenirs. Oh, that's a great yep, song. I agree with it. What one instead? When you, when you record an, an album, uh, there's a lot of people involved. There's the producer, the assistant producer, then there's the the band, and then there's the record company people that come every couple of days or once a week to supervise what, what you're doing with their money. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, the band has very little input on what the single is going to be. We always thought Souvenirs uh, uh, would have been a great uh, ballad. Uh, we could have started with that. And uh, obviously some people... Had a different view of it uh, somewhere at the Capitol uh, Tower, you know, and you can't fight with those people. Those are the people with the big money. It's very difficult to argue with them. Yeah,
2: yeah makes sense. Terry, if you can only choose one, Zeppelin or Black Sabbath? Oh, Zeppelin, for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, Pat, name a Desert Island album. So let's say you can only listen to one album the rest of your life. What is it?
3: I would say I would pick Highway to Hell with Bon Scott. Uh, I hope to have a a turntable on whatever island I end up on.
2: (laughs) 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 That's funny. Um, Okay, so that's it for the lightning round. Just a couple other questions. Terry, what, what kind of routine do you have before you get on stage? Are you a person that screams into a towel? Do you not talk to anybody for the first four hours? Like, is there a routine that you stick with?
4: I work out during during the day, early morning. I work out. I have a really good workout.
2: Um, what else do I do? Uh, if I
4: can do, it too, uh, if I can go to sauna, it would be great, just for to, to clear the lungs, uh, open up the lungs a little bit. Uh, what else? No, I'm really really laid back. I don't talk much. I I don't sing I- I- into a towel like uh, uh, Jenny Lane used to do. That he taught me how to do that. Jenny was a uh, I mean, I toured together, and he used to tell me, oh, that's the way to do it, you know. And I understand why, actually. Uh, I understand why, but I never really took vocal lessons, so yeah, I wasn't really, didn't know how to deal with that. Uh, no, I just um, work out, have a healthy meal, uh, not not too heavy, and I'm usually very nervous before a show. It's really nervous. So, uh I'm pretty quiet. You know, once the show is over, I'm okay. But before the show, I'm, I'm, I'm a nervous wreck.
2: Yeah. And Pat, we never really talked about your influences. So like what bass players were you trying to emulate when you first got on stage? Well, obviously
3: uh, Michael Anthony, you know, uh, with, with Van Halen, that intro to, uh, running with the devil. I, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know, and it was so simple, so solid, so fitting to the songs. He he was not trying to shine as a bass player. He was just trying to support the guitar. And I just thought, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to support the guitar. I want to support the band. I don't want to shine. I don't want to be the star. I don't want anything. I just want to be the concrete of that band.
2: I don't know. Those red leather pants were uh, really screaming off the side of the stage there. I was trying to figure out if I could get any of my size.
3: Yeah, well, that's another thing entirely.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were both excited about your racing pants. We don't think we can find our size, though, I'll be honest.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny, you right? all right? That is a very skinny guy, that's for sure.
1: Yes, he is. He turned sideways at one point with the base. All I saw was the base. It was incredible.
3: That's funny, dude. That's funny
4: shit. <laughs> yeah. That can hide behind
1: his bed. Yeah, exactly. You guys have been awesome. We want to do a couple things before we let you go. One, we want to talk about Rockland again. You guys are playing Rockland on Friday, March 29th. This is an all-day, uh, two-day kind of festival type yeah. thing at the center stage. You guys are playing with a band called ODD and uh, Babylon Shakes, XYZ, Hardcore Superstar, Firehouse. That's who is on the bill for that Friday. And then the Saturday yeah. then the Saturday is Warrant, Dangerous Toys, Takedo, Kicking Valentina, Lillian Axe, Tor Tora, Roxy Blue, East Side Gamblers, and Denman.
3: Great. That is a great bill, I must say. Great bill on both. Both days are fantastic.
1: Yep. Good, solid two days of rock and roll for sure. So that's uh, Rocklanta in Atlanta at the center stage. So come down and support live rock and roll XYZ. That'll be great.
3: Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Stephen Hollywood, you're, you're a pleasure. Thank you for your time and your energy. It was really good.
1: Thanks, guys. We appreciate your time. We'll see you in Atlanta. Yeah,
3: thank you See so you much. In thank, you. thank you so much. Checking out. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye-bye.
0: Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.